Now welcome to open court with Fairfield basketball head coach Chris Casey. This once again is your podcast place for Fairfield basketball. Along with the coach, I'm Bob Hiesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. As you listen to this, the Stags are getting ready to open the new season. They visit the Boston College Eagles on Monday. That game tips off at about 8 o'clock. And then Fairfield will visit Rhode Island on Thursday night before returning to Mahoney Arena for the home opener on Monday, November 13th against Division III Mount St. Mary. Well, it has been a busy offseason for the Stags. In fact, more change heading into this season than any in recent memory, perhaps more than uh, any recent season that we can remember. The Stags lost five players to the transfer portal, had two players graduate from the program, so Fairfield has to replace about 70% of its scoring and replace about 70% of its rebounding. It's a lot. Seven out, seven in. Seven in, four transfers, three true freshmen new to the program, not to mention two redshirt freshmen who are now very much part of the active roster. And the person in charge of putting all this together, well, a lot of change there as well. Less than a month ago came the news that Stags head coach Jay Young was stepping down and would be replaced by the man we welcome to the podcast for the first time as head coach of the Stags as we say hello to our friend Stags' former assistant, now head coach, Chris Casey. And Chris, you got this job exactly three weeks before the season opener at BC. How long did it take you to get over the initial, I'll use the word shock and surprise, and how many different thoughts were going through your mind at that point all at once? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me here. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to both of you. It's and your podcast. Especially <laughs> to talk basketball. Um, but, um, you know, I – Honestly, Bob, I don't know if I had time for – it was a surprise, obviously. Um, you know, nobody saw that coming, and it was uh, – it happened very quickly. And um, – but I really didn't have time to, uh, to to think about it, make a decision on it, uh, to uh, reflect on it, because the very next day was Mac Media Day. So it basically happened. I had to jump in a car, get down to Mac Media Day, and then get back the next day and practice to start. And, um, you know, I, I have 11 practices uh, before we played BC. So there was a lot to think about there. Uh, there was the team, a lot to think about there, making sure I reached out and touched those guys and get to talk to them individually and collectively as a group and, you know, parents and make sure I got to. So there was a lot involved in the change. So there really wasn't a lot of time to for shock and surprise. You had to really just flick the switch, hit the ground running, and keep the program moving forward and give these guys an opportunity uh, to compete and compete well because they put in a lot of work and they want that. That's the bottom line of everything we're doing is, is the team. So that's kind of what I put my focus on, and I just tried to flick a switch and, and keep moving forward. Chris, um, first of all, congratulations, and, of course, good luck. Um <sighs> Was it easy for you to make, you know, considering what happened here, was it an easy decision for you to make? Um, well, I would say, uh, Joe, it's like a twofold decision for me when it, when it uh, got tossed at me. And the first part of the decision is easy uh, because, you know, firstly I want to coach and I want to work. So I, I'm not going to uh, not do that. And, you know, the second part of it is the team. 
It's a great group of guys. It's a hard-working group. They put a lot of effort in this summer, um, not only with practices, but a trip to Costa Rica. And they want to play, and they want to play well. So I wasn't walking away from those guys either. Still, you need a support system. And uh, at that time, probably as much as any time in uh, your recent career. So who did you initially reach out to for support, reaction, and and maybe some counsel as uh, you took on this new role? Well, I, I've been fortunate to work for a lot of great guys. I mean, one of them's right here in Connecticut, Bob Campbell, who I played for at Western Connecticut. I speak to him all the time. Uh, I coach with uh, Teddy Fiore at St. Peter's, sure. who's now retired, outstanding coach, and he's another guy uh, that I speak to. Howie Dickerman, who's here in Connecticut, I worked with him at Central Connecticut, uh, so all those all those uh, coaches reached out to me. Um, I really didn't have time to reach out to anybody again because I hit the ground running on that. But I made sure I answered every text message uh, and some of those text messages to people like Coach Dickerman. I'm answering with a phone call, um, and I got to speak to some of those major guys. And you know they they always have uh, have a piece of advice for you that's relevant and. Um, it may be a short conversation about it, but you kind of take from one guy, take from another guy. And, uh, you know, having fortunately having been a head coach already, I have a vision of what I think I would like this team to look like. Um, our starting point is different from a lot of teams because of, you know, the time frame of everything. Um, but I, I do kind of know what I wanted to do, and it was helpful to speak to each of those coaches and just get a little, you know, impart a little bit of advice to you. So now uh, you head into practice as the head coach of the Stags. Now the team obviously is uh, s- shocked by the news and the transition, but as you said, you, now your focus is on them. They have to adjust to this transition. So what were those first several practices in particular like um, as this transition took place? Well, um, when they were first told about it, um, there's there's always going to be a deep breath and a little and shock in the room, you know, because again nobody was uh, was sure that that was going to happen, or knew that was going to happen. Uh, but to this group's credit, uh, you know, what I said to them, my message was simple, fellas. There's going to be a season with or without us. That's that's what's going to happen. So you can uh, move go backwards and think about what happened, or you can move forward and participate in the season. You know, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to move forward and participate in the season, and we're going to participate well. And that kind of was my message to them. And, you know, the energy level's been really good. Uh, the effort's been really good. Um, we need to get some guys back healthy to add to that. But I've really been pre- pleased with these guys. They've had a lot thrown at them with this transition, and they've handled it well. They, they've showed some, some mental toughness and, and the ability to, to move forward rather than backwards. I was curious if um, becoming a Division One head basketball coach again remained one of your goals. Uh, always. That's been the goal from minute one. Uh, I mean, from the first time I started coaching, you know, you, wanna, you want your own team. You have philosophies. You have things that you envision your team doing, and you want to test those. You know, you want to compete. You want to test those. So, um you know, you're always hopeful you're going to get another opportunity. I remember Gordon Shazer said to me many, many years ago, and some of the people listening may know who uh, Coach Chiesa was. I mean, he's a New York guy, outstanding coach, a longtime assistant with the Jazz, 
first met him at Providence when I was working at a basketball camp. He had just taken over for Coach Patino. Jeff Van Gundy was on the staff. Um, so it, it, he grabbed me and pulled me aside. I was a GA at Central. I was in my second year of coaching. And he took me after camp and spent time with me in his office. Um, they were putting me on the road at Central for the first time, went over everything they did at Providence with recruiting, how they handled it, how they organized it. And at the end, he said, uh, Chris, he said, um, work hard in this business. He said, you'll do a good job with it, but just understand the, the business is you're going to get hired and fired and then hired and fired again. That's what it is. Um, but just keep coaching and keep working hard. Um, so, uh, you know, that was always I, – I, I took that message and remembered it and never worried about that part of it and just coached. And at this point, I was hopeful I would get another opportunity to coach again as a head coach. And I have it uh, in a, you know, a situation that you, you, I'm not going to say you don't want to get it that way. You really kind of don't. But, again, the season's happening with or without us, so we got to move forward. Chris, after your gig at Niagara, um, I know I go through this now as a broadcaster. I always say to myself, if I ever went back to coaching, I'd be a much better coach because I see things now – without emotion. I see things more than I ever have when I was a head coach. Has there been times during your time as an assistant at Fairfield after your Niagara gig that you said, you know what, I'm going to do things differently when I get my shot again? Yeah, yeah. I don't know so much differently. I think two things happen, Joe. First, you, you obviously each year you learn more basketball, which I think is, is, uh, is extremely valuable because you always – I mean – you always need to add to your knowledge and kind of figure what works in, in the system that you would run and what wouldn't work. Um, so that that's the first part of that answer. Um, the second part of that answer is I think I would maybe, um, you know, in your younger years you tend to go at things with an extremely high-intensity level, you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think as you coach more, you kind of temper that intensity level to when it's important and needed as opposed to a constant. I mean, does that make sense to oh, you, Oh, God, you I'm, went I'm nodding it, my so. head. I, I, I felt the same way. You, yeah. you know, I remember when I took over at Quinnipiac, I thought I had to be the head coach, the cheerleaders, the janitor. I had to yell at the officials. I had to do everything. In reality, that was just a lot of wasted energy. I think that backfired. Yeah, no doubt. I, I don't disagree with you. So, you know, in terms of different, I, you know, I'm always going to be me. But I think you learn how to uh, temper some of that a little bit and where to use it and where it's important to use. We're going to circle back later on in the podcast to um, more specific things about your coaching philosophy and style and what fans can expect to see from a Chris Casey coach team. But um, I want to get into the nitty-gritty right now. And if uh, – if you're a listener, and obviously you are, you're listening to this as I say it, you're going to get a rundown of the, uh, of the Stags roster. I think people are curious about your uh, your viewpoint right now where every player is at. A lot of these players are going to be new to Stags fans. So um, let's, um, let's get right down to it. And unfortunately, injuries <laughs> loom large. You've already alluded to it. You need to get healthier. Um, hate to set that as the as the tone of how we approach this, but the lead guard, your point guard, Caleb Fields. We'll start with him. Uh, your leading returning scorer. I know he's been a little hobbled this preseason, as you literally are just now uh, almost hours away from the opener, BC. Let's start with Caleb and 
bring us up to date on him? Um, well, we're hopeful for BC and Rhode Island. Um, he's still working through an injury, um, and he's doing his work. He's down there doing his rehab. We've kind of amped that up over the last four or five days. Um, he's getting his treatments as well as doing some individual work on the court. Uh, I'm not sure the exact return date. It's going to be kind of day-to-day for him. Um, and the way he plays, Bob, I mean, he's uh, he's a, a, a He's, he's quick, fast, gets up and down the floor, uh, attacks the rim. So he needs to get this injury resolved to be able to play like that. Um, I, I don't want him playing uh, half of what he is. When he comes back, I want him back. So uh, we're kind of working through that right now. Um, he's going to be a big part of what we do. Obviously, I believe he's the leading returning point guard scorer in the league. Um so, uh, and I think he's going to enjoy the way we play, uh, getting up and down the floor. So he's going to be really important to us. We need him back, and he's working through that injury. Bryson Goodine has missed some time with uh, a toe injury. Same thing. Um, how close is he to uh, getting back on the floor? Yeah, he's he's been practicing to his credit. He's um, he's kind of fighting his way through it. Um, I'm going to give you, he's probably 65% of what he can be, 70%. Uh, but he knows we need the bodies, and to his credit, he's out there working. Um, and, uh, you know, he'll be fine. Bryson's an extremely talented guy. And, you know, one of the things I stress with him is, listen, I, I need you to go play. I trust your decisions that you're going to make. So know that when you're playing. Um and hopefully he he responds to that with the idea of hey I got a little bit of freedom and a green light to go and I need to go because he's he's an extremely talented athlete when you watch him he'll be one of the better athletes in the league uh, he can make a three he can go off the dribble uh, so I want him to go play uh, so he's got to resu- he's got to fix this injury but it's an injury he can fight through and be able to give us minutes I'm hopeful it starts. Uh, kind of calming down a little bit in the next four or five days because for his sake I want to be able to play and be Bryson Goodine and not be hobbled at all but he's fighting his way through it to his credit so is a pain tolerance issue yeah which he has a good pain tolerance so um it's something you can go with but you know it's going to be nagging and eventually it will calm down and go away it's just you know not going to happen tomorrow so Caleb and Bryson are they both the uh, <laughs> proverbial game time decisions if you were going to put a, a label on it right now? Basically, yeah. Okay. There's a couple of those, Bob. So. How about Jalen <laughs> Leach, your second leading returning There's scorer? There's your third game time yeah, decision. So, yeah. so, yeah. um, Jalen's battling uh, an ankle sprain. Um, he's another guy that's been diligent with his rehab and is uh, anxious to get back on the court. He was all leading scorer down in Costa Rica. He was playing extremely well. Um, you really Jalen in my mind is what he is now is what I envision him to be like the latter half of his sophomore year but he has been inf- unfortunately riddled with injuries yep. um, and to his credit I mean he's fought his way through a whole bunch of major injuries to get back um, so this is a minor setback it's an ankle sprain that'll you know get resolved and He's working through it like the other two guys. Um, not able to practice today, but we're hopeful tomorrow and then game time decision for, for Monday. Today, uh, just for the record, is Friday and uh, Fairfield opens on Monday. Now, if your guards are healthy, you've got some pretty good 
depth at that position. The front court, you know, you need bodies. And unfortunately, and we'll talk about Alexis Yenta uh, later, um, you got Bream Sec who is out indefinitely. Is that the uh, correct way of putting it? And for the, our listeners who aren't familiar with Barima, a talented big transfer out of the University of New Mexico, but he went down in the preseason with an injury. Why don't you tell us about the injury and what the prognosis is with him? Yeah, he's um, he's a little more than a game-time decision yep. at this point. Um, he's in week three of his injury. Uh, we're ho- the, uh, week four, I, I think, comes up this Saturday for him. Um, so we're hopeful to be able to uh, get it, get some testing done and see how the healing is in his ankle. Uh, and then we're hoping to get him started on rehab. Uh, and then it'll be a question of, um, of how long that rehab is going to take to get him uh, to be able to practice and play in playing games um, at the speed of the game as opposed to you know, or geared down speed. So um, he's working on it right now. But, yeah, he's not a game-time decision. He's a little bit further out. I'm about to bring up the name of somebody who actually, I think right now, is healthy. Um, and Joe and I have been, uh, fortunately, to um, a lot of practices. And I know Joe will concur with me. We've been pretty impressed with the true freshman big, Peyton Smith. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, a little bit about him and – Maybe you got to throw him into the fire a little earlier than you might have expected to. Oh, he's burning right now because he's already been thrown into the fire. Yeah. So um, he's been terrific. Uh, I think he has, you know, the, my thing with Peyton, and I tell him this all the time, he has a tremendous upside, tremendous upside. Um, I honestly think one of the things that has helped him, you know, normally, and Joe knows this from coaching, when you, uh, when you conduct a practice, there's a period in practice where you're going to put the guards down one end and put the forwards and the bigs down the other end. You're going to work on individual skills. You're going to work on some things in the game. Well, we're so light in the front court right now that you're going to have one guy down there and, you know, mm-hmm. ten guys down the other end. So we've really just been putting him through guard drills, mm. you know, and let him handle the ball. I always think it's good for bigs to do that. I think it helps their post game. I think it helps their footwork. I think it helps their confidence with the basketball. Um, so he's been doing that, and I think that's helped him a lot. And I think the other thing that's helped him is, and I know we'll talk about this a little bit later about uh, style of play, but we're trying to get up and down the floor. That's going to be tempered to some degree right now because of bodies and who's available. Um but I think what we're doing in practice with getting up and down has helped him also. It's helped his uh, conditioning. Uh, it's helped his uh, maybe explosiveness a little bit more athletically. Uh, so I'm really excited about him. I think he's got a chance to be very good. Chris, I run into uh, a lot of former players, whether they're here or um, at other schools, people I played against, people I know. And we always talk about, well, if they had the three-point line, we would have made so many more points. And I explained to them not only that, but because everyone's pretty much on the perimeter, it opens up the lane for easy drives. So is Peyton Smith one of those guys you can utilize, not a, not you know, a pick and roll, a slip and roll, but also a pick and pop? He has the ability to shoot the three, doesn't he? Yeah, he definitely does, and um, we'll do some of that with him. And you just hit the nail on the head, Joe. He, I want him as a rim runner. I want him as a post-up guy. I want him in ball screens. I want him slipping out of ball screens. I want him flipping ball screens to change the angle. Um, and I want him making decisions whether to roll off some of that or pop off some of that uh, because he can make a three. 
So you go to bed at night, you, and I know because I went through this, you dream of the good and bad. A perfect scenario in a late-game situation is a pick-and-roll between, at this point, with your injuries, Peyton Smith and? We including the injured guys? Or we yeah, you may believe you're totally healthy. What is a perfect ball screen situation for you? Yeah, honestly, I would put – I would at right now, um, I would put us into a screen, into the ball screen with our four and try to get somebody like Caleb or Jalen going downhill on that and then slip out of that. And now you got options to turn corners. You got options to throw back on that that slip. Uh, you got the five kind of circling under. I'm giving away what we're doing, but you know, <laughs> right here. Um, but um, yeah, that that's kind of what I would in a, at the end of the game. You know, situational. We need a basket. I'd go to some of that, but some of that, Joe. You notice from coaching is based on matchups. You no know, yep. if we can get Bryson in an ISO and get him downhill, that's a possibility. If we can get Louie in an ISO. You know, elbow area, that's a, a possibility. If we can get Peyton on a post-up on a mismatch, that's a possibility. So a lot of it, I think, is kind of determined by what matchups and maybe who's playing well in that particular game. Louis is uh, Louis Bleachmore, uh, one of two transfers who, again, just as far as the eye test is concerned, uh, both of these transfers, Bleachmore and Jasper Floyd, have seemingly injected a lot of energy into these practices. Bleachmore is a high-energy guy, and uh, he can he can go the transfer out of St. Joe's can go two, three, four. He's pretty versatile and uh, athletic as well. But I'm talking about a guy who I'd like you to evaluate. And again, he's new to the program, so why don't you tell our listeners what to expect from him? I think the first thing that will jump out at you about Louis is his energy level and his motor. Um, he has a high motor, and he's extremely coachable, and he's going to do what you're asking him to do. Um, he gets up and down the floor. He's very athletic. Um, he's he's a matchup issue because he can shoot the ball. He puts the ball on the floor like rip-drive situations, um, and he can post you too. You know, if you screen, you have him screening down, and, you know, teams. a lot of teams will switch one through four. So you switch that, you got a chance to post him a little bit too. Um, so I'm really excited about him. I, I, you know, we're going to play him at the three and the four spot. We're going to put him in ball screens. We're going to slip him. Uh, we're going to ISO him. We'll post him. Uh, there's some versatility with him, and I think there's some versatility on the other side of the ball with him too because you can switch ball screens with him. Um, you can switch down screens, back screens, flare screens with him, uh, and he can keep guys in front of him. So uh, he affords you a lot of versatility on both ends. And I mentioned uh, Jasper Floyd's name, transfer out of uh, Hillsborough, uh, Hillsborough Community College down in um, Tampa. Right, literally right next to Steinbrenner Field. I knew you would get that in somehow. <laughs> I know Yankee stuff. This, right, is, a, this right. is a bad podcast. Joe's home away from home. <laughs> with, the, uh, with the early season injuries to the guards, obviously the bigger role for him, what can we expect to see from him, particularly early in the season? Yeah, well, I think regardless of injuries, even with no injuries, he's going to have a big role. I love good. Jasper. Um, you know, he he's his energy level's really good. He leads. Um, he's physical. He he can make a three. Um, gets to a pull up a little bit on his step back. Um, continue to work on his passing, like he sees things and can and can pass, but he's got to limit turnovers a little bit. Uh, but I love his energy, and I think with those four guys on a perimeter, when you talk about Jalen, Caleb, Bryson, and him, I think those are four pretty good guards. We get everybody healthy, 
and then get everybody understanding what it is we're trying to do and how we want to play, I think those four guys can be pretty good. And, you know, uh, I brought those four guys in together, and I told them, you know, our whole team needs to be connected. You have to be the four most connected guys on the team. The MAC to me is a guard league. You know, not that, that big guys, I don't want to minimize the importance of big guys, but the MAC is a guard league. You look at the through the years, uh, the teams that win have really, really good guards, and those guards make plays on both ends of the floor, and that's how teams win. And uh, I told those four guys, you need to be the most four connected guys on the team. Um, and, and when it's him with, you know, 18 one night and you with six and then you with 18 the next night and him with six, you've got to be for each other with that. That's important. You can be a great perimeter core if you really play for each other and realize, you know, how much potential you have in this league and the impact you can have on the game. Well, let's not avoid the elephant in the room from last year. Um, I saw a lot of your guys looking good on their shot. Good arc, good release, good backspin. But darn it, you were awful from the perimeter. Under 30% for the year. Do you see an improvement in shooting this year? Or you, the fact that you're going to run more, is that going to help your offense? Kind of elaborate on uh, what yeah, to expect. I, I, I hope that's going to free us up maybe to make threes a little bit more. Um, I've seen some good days. Again, I'm only like, I think maybe seven practices in, eight practices in. I've seen some good days of us shooting the ball. We shot the ball fairly well down in Costa Rica. Um, I think we have multiple guys who can shoot it and need to be encouraged to shoot it, and they are. And, you know, I, I want them shooting open shots. You know, uh, you got a 30-second clock, and you're not, unless you're playing a really bad team, you're not going to get multiple scoring opportunities in a 30-second possession. Um, and, and what I'm trying to get across to them is I want to play two tempos. Good teams can play two tempos. They can rush the ball up the court, try to score early in the shot clock because statistically that's where you get your best shots. And then if they can't get that, they're able to flow right into offense, keep pressure on the defense, and get an open look or an open opportunity to drive the basketball. And then they have to make a play off that because if you don't, what you're going to get is tick, tick, tick at a clock and then you're going to be put in a bad situation at the end of the clock. Um, and I want to avoid that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Joe, I'm hoping that that improves our shooting uh, somewhat. I think it will. Uh, but that remains to be seen. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. That's actually a good segue, Joe, asking about uh, the hope-for improvement in the overall shooting percentages as I bring up the name of um, the next player who I'd like to discuss with you. And that's somebody who's been on the radar of a lot of our listeners because he's a Connecticut kid, uh, Matt Curtis, who um, prepped last year at Avon Old Farms. And I was curious about what, as a program, you feel he's he's done in terms of becoming even a better player with one-year prep school. And now as a, a true freshman here, what do you think he can do as far as impacting things uh, in his first year? Yeah. Uh, prep school made him a better uh, better player, um, but what's really made him a better player in the last seven days is because of injuries. I had to throw him in at the point, and you know he's he's really I mean he can play the point against a team that's not pressuring right now. That's where he's at in his development. Uh, he can get you in a little bit of offense, um, but when there's heat on him, he, I'm not going to say he struggles with that. But that's something he's got to get a little bit better at. I think these last 
five, six days of him playing a point because of injuries is going to help him tremendously off the ball. He has a skill that can help us this year, which is his shooting, and he has a knack to score. Uh, the kid is the leading uh, scorer at Northwest Catholic, uh, which is coached by John Marabello, which is a great program. And they've had some guys, you know, have gone to some pretty high levels. I think they've maybe had one or two uh, NBA guys out of there too, uh, who at least have had a cup of coffee in the NBA. Um, so he has a knack to score. So he's got a skill that can help us. Uh, so he um, he's done a really, really good job of accepting that in practice, and it's going to help him down the road. Yeah, it's funny because uh, we've been a couple of practice, and I've noticed that you had him at point, knowing his history, he's been more of a scorer. But the the one thing I like, you know, you talk about energy, guys. Matty's not the most athletic guy, but he plays with a lot of energy in the sense that he moves very well without the ball. You bring him off single doubles. So I, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a fine player. But now with the point guard experience, I'm impressed. And um, his dad was, was obviously a very good player dad at Hartford, right? So, tough, uh, tough guy his dad was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's funny how injuries occur. And, um, you know, he might be one of those guys who might step up, and this will, uh, will help him down the road come Mac play. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it will. And like I said, he's got a skill that helps us. He can make a shot and he can score. Um, and you know the other thing he does, Joe, he gets to his shot quick. Absolutely. Like yep, you I may look that. at him and say, well, not the quickest guy in the court, and he's getting better at guarding and keeping guys in front of him. But the one thing he does do quick, he gets to his yep. shot quick, and that's an important skill. He's a true freshman, and you have uh, two red shirt freshmen, now part of the active roster, and Davis Jr. and Michael Rogan will take them uh, as a twosome. And, and now that they've been through the ringer one year here in the program, what can you expect from them this season? Uh, guy, people are going to love Mike, um, and I love Mike. Uh, Mike is has some versatility to him. He can play the two, three, four spots for us. Um, he's skilled offensively. Uh, my My constant statement to Mike is, shoot the ball, Mike. Shoot the ball, Mike. Shoot the ball, Mike. I've been telling him that since last year. Um, he can make shots. He's got a knack to score. Um, he has a tendency once in a while to, to give you the, I didn't show you this one yet, you know, and um, I, I'm trying to get him out of that. Um, I want him to shoot open shots. Um, and when he does, he makes open shots. He's got a motor. He's 100% bought in. He's uh, practicing hard. He's having fun. I think fans are going to like Mike a lot, um, and I'm excited about Mike. And as a redshirt freshman, I think he's developed a lot, and he's still got more to go. Um, Ant Davis has done a good job. Ant's uh, extremely athletic. Um, right now, he's working on trying to find, like, what he is and what we're trying to do, um, and, and that's going to be something that uh, is going to progress gradually for him. Um, I think I can throw him in a game and tell him, hey, guard this guy, keep him in front of you, and go rebound the ball. Um, I, I'd like to see him be more aggressive offensively and maybe have a little belief in his offensive skills, a little more belief in that. Um, he's a great young man, um, extremely athletic, you know, and I want him to use that more uh, on the court. But uh, I enjoy coaching him. He comes every day. He puts his work in. He's got a great attitude, and he's an important part of the team. You know, um, we saw Jack Brown get into some games last year and at times play some significant minutes, you know, a walk-on who I think fans should not be surprised based on watching practices and getting feedback from you that 
there may be some times you call on Jack to get some significant time this year. Yeah, JB's going to play. Yep. Um, you know, he's the one thing about JB is throws himself all over the court. He's not afraid to to um, to play with energy and effort and take a charge, dive on the floor, go after rebounds. Um, so it, he's gonna he's gonna be on the floor. Like we're gonna play him, uh, especially with the injuries we have. Um, he's gonna need to be out there. Uh, I, he's gonna play for us like that four five spot because that's kind of what he is. Um, you know, but you know, JB. He's probably he comes to our, most of our guys come to work every day. He comes to work every day, maybe a notch higher with the way he's flying around the court. So that that makes a great contribution to our team. It sets a tone, and I've always said I'm going to respect the guys to practice, you know, and they're going to see minutes in the game. So JB will see minutes. He'll play. And an unknown quantity is uh, the true freshman out of Cameroon, um, Maruf Momim. And I say unknown quantity because he may, I think just based, again, on feedback we've gotten from you during the preseason, he may eventually uh, become a, a bit of a surprise, or am I maybe um, yeah, over-exaggerating? He's, he's talented. Um, he's lefty wing, got good size to him. He's very athletic. Uh, has had more basketball thrown at him in the last, you know, 10 days than he's probably had in his entire life, yep. you know. So that's what he's working his way through. Uh, to his credit, he's extremely coachable, uh, and he tries to pick up on what you're trying to get him to do. Uh, with the injuries, the thing that's that's been difficult for him is you're kind of moving him around a little bit position-wise because you got to fill a gap here, fill a gap there. Um, but, I mean, it's possible. Like, I, he's going to play uh, in these first few games because bodies, you know, we got to get guys healthy. Um, and I think he's going to do a good job with that opportunity. Uh, learning process is where he is right now. Uh, but again, to his credit, he's trying to learn and trying to get better, and he's making a great effort at it. I tell you, his uh, his smile lights up. Great practice. kid. He really is. Great kid. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, another guy who has a lot of personality, again, Joe and I have had just brief interactions with him, but it comes through very uh, apparently, is uh, Alexis Yetna. I said we would address this situation I think the general consensus, and this is outsiders as well as anybody close to the situation, agree that once he gets on the floor, knock on wood, uh, he becomes pretty much the most impactful player in the MAC. And I'm not trying to put any pressure on anybody, but that seems to be just based on his track record, uh, how we can approach him. But, of course, his situation is still um, all dependent upon health. So I'm sure this is the million-dollar question people want answered right now, the updated prognosis. We've gotten prognoses on him along the way. As we talk to you today on this Friday before the Monday opener, where is he at as far as the prognosis is concerned? Um, he is – he's not – you know, he's a long-term right now, uh, much like Barima is. Uh, we're hoping like a mid-December – situation for him um you know lex it, it, the tough thing for lex is that he's had some unfortunate injury he's had some great games if you look his stuff up on synergy and see what i mean he is a high level guy when he's lex um we got to get him back to being lex 
Um, part of that is going to be the recovery from his injuries, which he's in the process of right now, and his rehab, from all indications, is going really well. Um, and we're shooting for that that mid-December time frame, you know, somewhere in those last couple weeks of December, um, and, and hoping to get him back into uh, a, a position where he can actually play. And then there's going to be some adjustment to that too, because it's been a little bit while so since he's played. So he's not going to walk onto the court and be Lex immediately. I hope he is. That'd be great for us. But I don't want to put that kind of heat on him. Like right now, I want him to just concentrate on get healthy, get yourself back to where you can, you know, you can be in practice and you can play. That's step one. Once you get to that now, learn what we're doing. Learn how you fit into what we're doing. That's step two. And then step three as we go through this is, all right, now you're healthy. You know what we're doing. You're comfortable with it. Now you can be Lex. Um, so that's going to be a little bit of a process for him. Um, and I'm, we're all rooting for him because he's a great kid. You, you alluded to that, Bob, and his personality. He is an outstanding young man, uh, smart, uh, engages really well. He's very personable. So we're all rooting for him, and he's working at it. So step-by-step uh, step for Lex. But we'll get him back, and he can make a huge impact if he's Lex. We're pretty short on time. Actually, you know, we have – as much time as we want, but we know you have to get some things done. Uh, the other part of this is that we have all season during these podcasts to get into topics that maybe we didn't touch upon today. I know I always uh, wrap these things up by asking if Joe has any further questions or thoughts, and I know he does. I do, and, and hopefully you'll be quick because we've gone long enough. Defensively, we talked a lot about offensively. Anything different defensively we expect from you? or um, You know, I, in my heart, Joe, I'm a pressure guy. Like, I want to get after people. Um, again, we're going to have to temper that a little bit until we get guys back from injury and, you know, we're able to do that. Um, but in my heart, that's what I am, and that's what I want to coach. So, you know, we'll, we'll get to some of that eventually uh, through a man-to-man, -man, maybe some, you know, some three-quarter court pressure. Um, I always think you have to have a second defense, Um so we'll try to do a little bit with a zone where we can. But, again, all this stuff is in process for two reasons. A, we got 11 practices before we play BC. Um, and, and, you know, that that's part of you talk about the whole decision with this thing. Um, one of the difficult uh, places you're in when this kind of thing happens is how much do you keep, how much do you change, um, you don't want to put guys in a situation where mentally they're trying to figure out, you know, are we doing this, are we doing that? So these, these are all things you weigh as you're trying to figure out practice. I know how I want to coach, and I've kind of made the decision. And, and again, one way is not better than the other. You know, it's just different. And everybody has a different philosophy. They're comfortable coaching a certain way. And I want to coach what I want to coach, what I believe in and what I think works for this team. So that's kind of a, a difficult decision there with, with your process too, you know. And we're cramming a lot in in 11 days. Um, but, um, you know, I'm excited about it. I think, you know, we have a chance to be good when we get everybody healthy and we get everybody on the same page. Um, and I'm looking forward to that moment when that happens. There is uh, so much we didn't get to, but I will wrap it up this way by just asking you uh, about what is staring 
at you literally right now as far as uh, the task at hand is concerned, and that is um, not only the opener uh, on Monday, uh, but the game that follows. Two tough games to uh, open the season with when you go on the road to play both, uh, both Boston College and Rhode Island. The challenges quickly that each of those opponents will present to the Stags as you get this thing going. Well, they're well-coached teams. They're higher-level teams. Um, you know, there's all, obviously there's a challenge with some guys uh, possibly available, not possibly available. Uh, uh, we're going to do a scouting report. We're going to pay attention to what Boston College does, what Rhode Island does. But right now, we are primarily focused on us and how we get better. Um, I'm not dismissing those games by any means. We're going to go play those games. We're going to play hard, and we're going to try to win those games. Um, but right now, I feel like the spot we're at, I have to place a little more emphasis on what we're doing and how we get better and how we learn about what we're trying to get to um, as opposed to opponents. And again, that's not to say I'm dismissing scouting report because we're certainly not going to do that. Uh, we're going to pay attention to what's important and what we need to do in those games to win. But, um, you know, I, I'm going to be right now about us. I'm, I'm always, I always believe in, you know, when you're playing opponents, you're 80% about you, 20% about what they're doing. Um, if your team is good, that's, that's what I, I want to get to. So we're going to work towards that. Chris, uh, Joe and I have both known you a long time now, and uh, I, I want to say we're both thrilled for the fact that we now get to uh, have this relationship where you're now uh, the head coach of the Stags and we get to do this with you on a regular basis. I think we're going to uh, enjoy it and we both wish you nothing but the best of luck and I'm sure things are going to uh, go very well in this uh, in this return for you to uh, the head coaching ranks. Uh, thanks for a lot of time here today, but we're looking forward to doing it often during the season. Yeah, I enjoyed it, guys. Thank you very much. That'll do it for this edition of Open Court with Fairfield head coach Chris Casey. Next up for the Stags, that season opener BC Monday, road game Thursday against URI, and then the home opener Monday night, November 13th against Mount St. Mary. You can look for our next podcast to drop shortly before the Stags travel to Philadelphia on November 17th and 18th to play Drexel and Queens University out of Charlotte. So for Chris Casey, for the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. For our new podcast engineer, welcome, uh, Wyatt Dossi. You'll be hearing his name often during the season as well. I'm Bob Usler. Thanks for listening to Open Court.